0: I want to preach a message this morning. It's the third message in our series about discipleship. And our mission here at the church is to help people find and follow Jesus, which is another way of saying discipleship. But look at Matthew 28 and verse 19. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you see, our purpose is to make disciples. Well, what does that mean? Discipleship is to be a disciple person to follow someone's precepts and instructions to be taught and disciplined, okay? So a disciple wants to be taught and wants to discipline themselves, okay? That word discipline isn't correction or what you would think of disciplining a child, but it's disciplining yourself to do what needs to be done, So possibly we would understand that better when we think of somebody in uh, sports. Possibly someone who plays uh, football. Well, they discipline themselves to train daily and to work out to do what's needed so that they can be an excellent football player. So that's the type type of discipline we're talking about. Now, we don't have to work out and get big muscles to be disciples of Christ, but hey, if you're a workout person, go for it. But Discipline is necessary to be a disciple. Now, discipleship is an ongoing process where we learn and grow as we follow Jesus. We also come to a point in that journey where we begin to disciple others. Now, here at Abundant Life Worship Center, we have three main things that we do in our discipleship process. Three main things that we feel as a church we can do to help you to grow in your faith with the Lord. And those three main things are a weekend gathering. That's what we're doing here right now. The second thing is a life group. We believe that growing and maturing in Christ need to be part of something where there's accountability, where there's uh, the uh, purpose of teaching and training and giving back and forth using your gift as well. And thirdly, and that's what we're going to talk about today, a big part of discipleship and maturing in Christ is serving, all right? So we are going to talk today about serving the Lord, about serving in his kingdom and his church and the community, plain and simple, serving. Now, I hope nobody gets nervous when you hear the word serve. Serving is a good thing. The first thing I want to point out from Scripture is that we are actually saved To serve the Lord. Okay, we are actually saved to serve. Let me give you a scripture. Hebrews 9 and verse 14. I'm reading from the Passion Translation here. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls, goats, and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from the ceremonial impurities. Yet, how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. So why did Christ come to shed his blood? We talk about that often in churches, and we know, well, that was so that our sins could be forgiven, so that healing could come. But also, as it says clearly here, he did that so we could be free from dead works and worship and serve him. Everybody say serve. Okay, so I'm going to mention this a few times. I'm going to be repetitive to the point where you're going to be like, Pastor Dan, you said that already. I do that for a reason, in case anybody's wondering. I have found out over the years that we learn by hearing it again and again. Repetition helps us to get it stuck where it needs to get stuck. You see, scripture actually says that they'll hear and they'll learn, and it comes here a little and there a little. It says line upon line. It's actually talking about repetition. So please don't get, you know, don't think that I don't think you're smart and that I keep repeating it. I know you're smart, but I'm going to repeat it anyways. And I believe that God will stick it deep in your spirit. It's also a way of building faith when you're able to repeat something, when you're able to say it and declare it over yourself. So that's why I do that if anybody's wondering. Luke chapter 1 and 71 to 75. This is a bit of a prophecy right in the beginning of Luke before Jesus is born. And it says that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. You see, We are saved to serve the Lord. The promise that was given to Abraham in the Old Testament, he is saying this is about to be fulfilled through Christ so that without fear, we can serve him. I'm bringing this out fairly clearly today because I find that in our Western culture, we have kind of changed what Christianity is to something that maybe feels better to us. And often people well accept Christ and they get the idea of forgiveness but suddenly it becomes about them and church isn't about serving or reaching out suddenly church becomes about me and we almost get the idea that Christ is serving us we became a Christian now the Lord should do whatever we want Maybe you heard the old song, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. A great song, but not a great theology for being a Christian. It's not all about what we want. Oh, he's good, and he'll bring the things and meet the need and set us free, but it isn't all about what we want. You see, we were saved to serve. And the word serve in these two scriptures can actually also be translated worship. Because, you see, serving God with the gifts he's given you is a form of worship. You and I were most definitely called to serve. Listen to John 12, 26. And this one I'm reading from the message translation. It says, if any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves him. So here's Christ talking to those who are around him, and he says, if you want to serve me, then follow me, and you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. In other words, to follow Jesus is to serve him. To serve Jesus is following him. Let me make it a little more clear. You can't say you're a follower of Christ if you're not serving him in some way. It's that simple. You see, they were called Christians not immediately, but as time went on, we see in the New Testament that they began to call those who followed Christ Christians or Christ followers. You can't call yourself a Christian if you're not serving him. The word actually means one who serves and follows Christ. So serving is not just something we do. Serving is actually something we are. You see, we're servants. We are servants of the Lord Jesus. We are servants of the Most High God. Now, this is good. Don't get discouraged by the word servant. This is an amazing privilege to be able to be a servant of the king of kings and lord of lords. It's a good thing. I want to read a verse to you in the book of Daniel. Daniel 3 and 26. I'm going to give you a little background first. You may know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And... Nebuchadnezzar, the king who basically ruled the then known world. They had a dynasty there and kind of controlled the world and Nebuchadnezzar was that king. The highest worldly king there was. Well, he got kind of proud and decided he was going to make a golden statue and everybody had to worship and bow down to the golden statue at certain times. When they heard the music play, they were supposed to bow down. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, well, we can't. We serve God, and he told us we can't bow to an idol. And he said, so, king, we can't do that. And the king said, well, you have to. If you don't, I'm going to throw you in the burning, fiery furnace. And they said, well, we're sorry, but we can't. We serve God, and we'll serve him to the death, is basically what they tell him. So... The next time the music plays, they don't bow down, and the king gets really angry. He said it heats the furnace up seven times hotter and throws them in. And the thing is, when they hit the bottom of the furnace, the guards who were throwing them in actually died from the heat. But they fall down in the furnace. They get up. The ropes that held them were burnt off, but they're not burning. And it says there's a fourth man with them, and he looks like the son of God. They were miraculously protected, and Nebuchadnezzar sees this, and he is so shocked. In verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out! Come here! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire, unharmed. Not even the smell of smoke was on them, Scripture says. Why am I bringing this verse up today? First of all, I'd like to say I'm not bringing this verse up as for our situation in our world today because we have not been told we have to bow to an idol and we have not been told that we can't pray to our God as the situation with Daniel. I know not everybody sees it the same way, but that's not why I'm bringing the verse. I'm bringing the verse because this king who ruled the world realized that these followers of our God were his servants. You and I also are servants of the Most High God. The second reason I'm bringing this verse is because we are called to serve Him even when it's difficult. You see, serving Him when everything is wonderful is easy. But can you serve Him when it's a little bit tricky? Can you serve Him when it's getting a little bit hot? Can you serve Him when you're a little bit tired? Can you serve them when you're being pressured not to? Because that's the true sign of a faithful servant. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful servants. Now, many of you know these three men were friends of Daniel. And someone actually asked me, well, where was Daniel when this happened? Well, Scripture doesn't actually tell us, but we know that Daniel wouldn't have bowed. So it only means that Daniel obviously wasn't in the area around the golden statue his duties may have taken him somewhere else but we know he also wouldn't have bowed servants that are faithful serve even when it doesn't feel good I'm going to bring this out because you don't serve God only when you feel like it or the devil will make sure you never feel like it who knows what I'm talking about he'll just make sure you know like Oh, I don't serve God when my, you know, my left knee hurts. Well, he'll make sure your left knee hurts every Sunday, every Saturday evening, guaranteed. I found out a long time ago when you just decide, I'm serving God no no matter what, the devil gives up. He quits throwing those things because they don't work on you. You know, well, I'm going to serve God, but... Now oh, my spouse argues with me before church, so I just never do anything now. What? You tell that old devil, forget it. <laughs> no matter what the argument, we're serving God. You'll quit arguing. Guaranteed. Serve him even when it's difficult. Because we are called servants of the living God. All right, so we were saved to serve him. We were also saved to serve Others. Now, this is important, too, so go with me, Luke 22 to 25. Jesus told them, his followers, in this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. So being Christians, we should have hearts to serve others right away. Now the thing we see in Scripture is that the disciples, they were taught for a while, and then they were sent out to do the work. And the work was serving the Lord. You see, Jesus called people for a purpose. He called people and he gave them what they would do. Look at Matthew 4, 18 to 20. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. So they fished for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them and he said, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. You see, Christ calls you into his kingdom purpose and he gives you something to do. And it is called working or being a servant in his kingdom. These men begin to follow Christ knowing knowing that they were going to be trained up to learn how to fish for people. And that would be their work. Look at Matthew 9, verse 37 to 38. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. The kingdom of heaven, there's some work to be done. And I need to tell you this, work It is not a four-letter word. Well, actually, it is a four-letter word, but it is not a bad four-letter word. If when someone uses the word work, you get an ugly feeling, then you need to change that mindset. Work is good for you. As a matter of fact, if when you hear the word work, you feel a horrible feeling. It could be that you have a really unhealthy boss. Or maybe you're doing something that doesn't fit your gifts in the way you were made. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you to pray about how to transition into something that fits you. Okay, don't go home today and quit your job because Pastor Danny said that. But pray about how to transition to where you can actually get excited about the work God's given you. Because, hey, the job you're at, that's your physical work here. But also God has some kingdom work for us to do. And kingdom work is a little bit different, but it still feels like work. It's just far more rewarding because it's much more than a paycheck that comes when you do work for his kingdom. So Jesus gets them excited and he tells them, Hey, start praying for God to send workers. I don't know what the disciples were thinking. You know, maybe in their mind they're thinking of other people. You know, maybe they're thinking of their cousin or their aunt or their uncle that they would do good at this. They're praying hard, and all of a sudden, the next thing we read in the next chapter. Jesus sends them out to do the work. So in other words, you say, okay, you guys, if he was here today, you know, he'd be like, okay, you guys, this week I want you to go home and pray for God to send lots of people out to serve and to work for him, okay? And you're like, yeah, we'll do that. And then you come back next week and I'm like, guess what? It's you, and it's you, and it's you. Woohoo! I'm sending you out. Work. Start with prayer. If you're not sure about the serving thing, start with prayer. But Matthew 10, 5 and 8, Jesus sends out the first 12. And these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go in the way the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans. They had some specific directions for that time. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely have received, freely give. And then in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, we read where Jesus sent out 70 more. He wanted the work to be done. And after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. You see, as we learn and grow, we also begin to serve. As you mature in your faith, you go from a child to a young adult You go from the one where everybody fed you and paid your bills to where you have your first job and you're willing to buy your own clothes and do some things on your own. You mature. As well as in our Christian faith we should mature to where now we are able to work or to serve the Lord and others. Did you know as church leaders we are actually told in scripture that it is our job to equip the saints for the Work of the ministry. There's that four-letter word again. The work of the ministry. Look at it in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. It said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. In other words, my job is to encourage and to build you up so that you can do kingdom purpose, kingdom work. And if I'm doing my pastoring right, you should be enjoying and growing and reaching our community. So I don't know how well I'm doing it, but you guys are doing pretty good. (laughs) We got some amazing people. The fact that you're here this morning is pretty amazing in our scary, crazy world. So to see each of you here is a victory. Thank you, by the way. The Lord says clearly that when we serve him, he will reward us. I want you to see this because God is not stingy. He's not expecting you just to give and give and give and nothing back. He is a great rewarder. Listen to Revelation 22, 12 and 13. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. When Jesus returns, he will bring reward with him. Now we know from Scripture, he says he rewards us right here as well. He said he would give a hundredfold to those who had given up things and, and uh, had to leave people behind and given up jobs or whatever they had done. He said, I reward you here a lot. But also there's an eternal reward and Jesus is bringing it when he returns. Now, speaking of rewards, I want to read a little bit in detail, but before we put it up, I just want to give you the start of this story. This is one I read from time to time because it's so powerful. Jesus tells the people that are listening, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he gives a parable. And in this parable that I'm going to read, I'm going to jump in the middle. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a Lord who leaves, and he leaves his goods, his wealth to his servants. And he expects them to cause the wealth that he given them to expand and grow. And it says, then he leaves, and when he returns, he calls them to him to give account of how it's went. Verse 20 And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, and I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth and look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where they will be weeping and gnashing, of teeth. And yes, at this point you can say ouch instead of amen. Well, that's kind of a hard portion of scripture, isn't it? You read that and you're like, what? Maybe the guy was just a little bit afraid and you're like, what? That seems so harsh. There's a couple things I want you to know about this portion of scripture. One thing I would like you to remember about it is the context of it. You see, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is talking to his followers about uh, the end times, but more specifically, they asked him the questions. When will Jerusalem be destroyed? When will you return? And what's the signs of the end times? And so in Matthew 24 and 25, he answers those questions. Now, Matthew 24 has some very specifics about Jerusalem's destruction And he tells them, when you see the abomination of desolation coming and the army surrounding Jerusalem, run for the hills because Jerusalem will be destroyed. However, that is not an end time principle. That was specific for Jerusalem's destruction. Sometimes people in their prophetic and their understanding of end times think that's a principle. And every time in our world, when something chaotic is happening, People get this mindset of, I need to hide out and fend for myself. I mean, I should be more blunt. Sometimes Christians become selfish when there's problems in the world. But that is not an end time principle. This that I just read you is what he's talking about for the end of time. Well, how do I know that? Because he said, when the Lord returns, he says, give account. And he expected them to expand and grow his kingdom until the day he returned. Nowhere in there did he say, Well done, you hit out perfectly. Great job, You, you had an amazing storehouse of canned goods. Nothing wrong with canning. I actually tried canning here the other day. But you get my point. Christians, hiding out is not what we're called to do. Did you know that? Hiding out is not what we are called to do ever. We're called to serve him, to expand and grow his kingdom continually, even when it's difficult. Now, we have to look for a couple minutes at the man who said, well, I was afraid. First of all, he did not understand the true character of his Lord and Master. His Lord and Master was not a hard man. His Lord and Master was not somebody to be afraid of, but somebody who we know as the Heavenly Father. So he did not know who he was serving. That played a part in his unwillingness to serve. You and I must know who we're serving or we're not going to serve him. But he said, I'm afraid, and there must have been a little fear there. But the Lord said, you're wicked and lazy. That's kind of a hard word lazy nobody wants to hear that word but I have found out over the years that you cannot serve God and be lazy now I'm not a psychologist but I I realize there are different reasons people are lazy but can I tell you this and I'm going to say it this way because you know I don't want anybody to feel bad here if you know somebody who's lazy you know maybe a second cousin twice removed or something let's put this really far away there is a way to fix that And I believe it starts with prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit what is causing this second cousin twice removed to be lazy. Pray about it. Maybe there is a little bit of fear. Maybe there's a bit of depression or something. But don't count them out. Pray for them. and Ask the Lord to bring them passion and desire to do, and he will. Maybe someone's physically struggling and they can't. Do anything, then pray for their physical health. Because God wants you to have strength. He wants you to have the ability to serve Him with joy, to work with joy. You see, the servant who became fearful and lazy did nothing, and it had a horrible result. Can I tell you this? Doing nothing is not a good choice. Do something for the Lord. Did you notice he didn't? Get upset at the ones who did something, even though they had different results. Do whatever he's put in your power to do, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not matching what you can do against the person beside you. He didn't say to the second guy, well, you did good, but the other guy was better. Not at all. He gave the first guy more to work with. He's given each of us different gifts to work with. You use what he's given you, and he's going to say, well done. That's the kind of father he is. The only one who he didn't say well done to was the one who refused to do anything. The one who did nothing. If the enemy has convinced you, you should do nothing, let me wake you up. I want to encourage you. And I'm going to wrap up fairly quick. You see, when it's all over and done for each of us, whenever that might be, when it's our time to pass away or if the Lord would return and we're still alive. Each of us wants to hear those amazing words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. I got great news for you. You just have to do something. Some people think, well, I'm not perfect. He didn't judge the first two on if they were perfect with their investment, did he? You just have to do something. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is completely free gift. Your sins to be forgiven and you to make it to heaven, salvation is a free gift. But I'm talking about your life and his kingdom purpose. Just do something. If you're not enjoying life right now, I can almost guarantee you're not doing something for him. If you're totally hating life right now, I can guarantee life has become all about you. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. That sounded kind of hard. You know how you make life exciting and enjoyable again? Take the focus off of here. Say, okay, Lord, what am I here for? And I guarantee when you ask him what you're here for, it will be something outward. He has put a gift in you, and it's going to be for somebody, for something. And you've got the gift that nobody else has for that purpose where he placed you don't give up just serve him to the best of your ability he's going to say well done but what if I make a mistake he's still going to say well done but what if I don't do it as good as someone else he's still going to say well done the key is something was done he loves you more than you can imagine he's not waiting to club you over the head he's right there saying come on you can do this you're still alive here today for a purpose you can do this I put something in you and you don't even know what it is. And I want to use you. Yeah, but I so messed up. I've done something. You go to him, you ask him to forgive you. He wants you to use the thing he's put in you. He loves you more than you can imagine. So church, I'm going to pray for you as a group. And I'm going to pray and believe for God to give you that boldness to start serving him with what he's given you. Right where you're at, just start. The greatest uh, missions, the greatest world achievements and things that happen, they just started with somebody believing and beginning. They don't happen instantly, but someone believes and they take the first step. That's you. What did he put in you? What has he given you? Lord, as we pray today, I just ask, Lord, that for each person... You would ignite the spark in them for what you've called them to do. Lord, I pray that the fire would begin to burn with a passion for what they can do serving in your kingdom. Lord, you already gave them gifts. You love them. You want great things for them. Lord, if they've brought their past and their mistakes to you, you've forgiven them and you say, I've got something for you to do. I thank you, Lord, that you love your people more than they can imagine. And I thank you, you give them strength. Lord, for those that maybe are physically unable to do and feel held back, we say, let miracles come in their life right now. For those maybe who are struggling uh, mentally or emotionally and feel that they can't do anything, we speak healing to the mind and to the heart right now. In Jesus' name. To those who are fearful and feel they can't do anything, we command fear, go in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. You raise up a mighty army of people who are willing to serve for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name.